Well, welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, a managing partner, CEO of Cordell and Cordell. Uh, twice a week, we drop a podcast. If you haven't yet subscribed, go to iTunes. You can subscribe to the podcast. You'll be alerted every time we drop it. We bring an attorney from Cordell and Cordell around the country to you with topics for guys before, during, and after divorce. And today's no different. We're joined by Jennifer Payne up in Michigan. Welcome. Thank you for having me in. Hello from Michigan. Yeah, glad to have you. We're going to talk about something that maybe it's taboo and I've dealt with it. I know you have uh, domestic violence for guys, you know, as perhaps victims and it happens. It is, I, I always tell this story. I've been in seminars around the country, particularly, you know, when we represent men, um, there's stereotypes, you know, they can't be victims. They can't be subjected to, to uh, domestic violence. We know that they're the perpetrators too. Both sides are. It happens. Uh, you know, you don't want to ignore one side or the other. We know domestic violence in general is a problem, um, but but you know we want to break it down. And it's a hard topic to talk about. Uh, you know, ignore gender for the moment. Let's just talk about domestic violence. That's right. a huge thing. So, what is domestic violence? Let's start there. Right. So, in a, in a classic definition, and I'm glad you said this. It is not gender specific at all. And the trend that we're seeing is more men are speaking up about it. So our statistics and our understanding is, is more gender neutral now. But a classic definition talks about a pattern of manipulation and control in a domestic relationship. Now, that could be husband and wife. It could be a dating relationship. It could be a family like a brother and a sister, a father and a daughter, household members, um, but it is not defined by gender. It's it's more than just simple assault, physical assault, which is also bad in a crime. Yeah. But this is about other types of manipulation and control as well, which could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be financial, it could be using the court process to control and manipulate someone, something we're going to talk about in a little bit. Yeah. So when we look at, at domestic violence in, in the traditional sense, we're looking at that pattern of behavior that manipulates and controls the abused person, male or female. Yeah, I mean, it is, I think it is, I've talked about justice, I've talked about family law in general, that in a perfect world, I was interviewed many years ago, I think it was the journal, and they said, what changes would you make? I'd make it completely gender blind, gender neutral, all of family court. It'd be wonderful to walk into court and say, you know, litigant A versus litigant B. Forget about the roles that people assume, you know, we're, we're in an evolving world anyway, in terms of the roles each of us have. And this is just a great example of trying to ignore gender for a moment because it does affect everyone. And it's a very serious issue, whether it's male or female or male, male, female, female, whatever it is. Domestic violence is a problem, not only from the perpetrator standpoint, but from the victim standpoint, and especially how we deal with it in domestic relations and in cases. So what are some of the stats? Maybe throw those out there. Sure. So, so the traditional statistic that a lot of people know, or if you do a quick Google search, you will see, is that one in four women, uh, women in particular, are a victim of some kind of domestic violence in their household, whether it's physical, verbal, emotional, or some otherwise. And, and But the, those statistics are, are rising as well to one in three women in an intimate partner situation. The statistics for men are closer to one in 10, um, which is still pretty high, but we see that those statistics are rising, not because this is happening more, but because more men are willing to speak out. It's, it's very hard to go into court or into a, a police station and shake off those norms, those expectations, right? That men are supposed to be the, the protective person the strong person, they can't be abused, 
abused. They're the provider, right? They can't be a victim or, of, of a woman. Um, but which is unfortunate because that trickles into men not being willing to speak up about these things in court, which could really inure to their jeopardy, both safety physically wise as well as financially. So we're seeing the, the, the trend, um, and this is according to the National Coalition to End Domestic Violence, is that the statistics are rising for men, but not because it's happening more, but because more men are, are willing to speak out about it, which is good. Yeah, I think you're right. I, the, the story I tell was a, um, I represent a guy and he was assaulted by his, his spouse. Um, she used a cast iron skillet, bro, broke, uh, broke, excuse me, both orbital sockets. And so he didn't want to go file a complaint, didn't want to call the police. And I'm like, look, you've got to do this. And we are filing for your protection. We're filing an order of protection. You can't live like this. And we get to court. Uh, the judge denied it uh, because he's a guy. He goes, why didn't you just fight back? <laughs> and my point is, yeah, right, judge. He's going to fight back, and then he goes to jail, and he gets an order of protection. And, I, and there is. There's this stigma. And he, the judge even said, look, he's a guy. You know, he could just walk away. And, you know, I challenge the judge because it is a stereotype. And look, ignore that he's a man. Ignore that she's a woman. Violence is violence. I don't care what it is. It's inappropriate in every circumstance, no matter what. I don't care what weapon is used. It's violence. And so I think you're spot on. And the statistics are skewed. It's like um, alimony. I call it manimony. Yep. Men are afraid to ask for alimony because they're not supposed to. They're supposed to go work and support and provide. And it, the, those statistics are likewise skewed uh, because men are afraid to report it and ask for it and seek it. Um, so how does it affect guys, domestic violence in legal proceedings right now? So, so there are many ways that, that this can affect a male victim. Um, one outside of court is just the not being willing to talk to other people. So you lose your social support network, which anytime anyone goes to court, you want to have your support network, right? If you're not willing to talk to your family about what's going on, they're not aware of it. And you lose that sense of support going through a court process. Um, there are other ways that this affects men as well. We see a lot more financial abuse on the male side, so not having control of your own money, um, not having money set aside for retirement because it has to go to someone else, right, like your spouse, um, not knowing what bills are being paid because you mm -hmm. don't have control over your money, which means less resources to hire a lawyer, less resources to, to move out, inability to pay for things for your safety. Um, it also trickles in the court process itself into not being willing to challenge your abuser. So for example, I don't want to pursue equal custody of my children because I'm afraid of the consequence with my spouse or my soon-to-be ex-spouse when I leave here. Or I don't want to speak up about what's going on in my home because I don't want to have to go home after court and deal with that, whether it's physical, verbal, financial abuse, or otherwise. So what, what we see happening is men, um, in, in a court setting, they're less likely to have resources to defend themselves. They don't have a social support network. They're less willing to speak up for things that are rightfully theirs, like time with their children, fair share of their assets, fair use of their home, because they're worried about retaliation. Yeah, I mean, moving out, I mean, or getting kicked out. I've always told this story. You know, the doorbell rings, you answer it, there's a sheriff or a police officer and says, you've got, you know, 10 minutes, gather what you can in your hands, you're out. You get out of your home that has financial ramifications, double household expenses, you don't have control of the money anymore. I mean, there's all these things that this domino effect. I mean, family law in in and of itself is emotional. Uh, and many times things are done illogically because they're based upon emotion. 
you do something, you yell, you whatever it is. I we I call I call it talking too much, meaning that you can lead and talk yourself into an order protection. Someone takes it as a threat, and so there is these domino effects of that you said you know you refer to in the legal proceedings about getting kicked out, losing your home, and then all the financial stuff that is a disaster as a result. Mm-hmm. It is, and, and we have to keep in mind for, for, for the abused person is that that is the abuser's intent. It's not just, well, this is how court goes and, and I had to suck it up like my friend who went through the same thing. That's not the case. The abuser is using the court process for that specific goal. That's called litigation abuse, which is a specific form of domestic violence. Yeah, it is an over-abused element of the family law. No doubt they use it as a weapon. Um, and not only that, it can lead to their job loss or job interruption. I mean, there's all these court dates. I mean, they may be injured. They may be in fear. I mean, think about being, you know, the emotional side of this, and they are racked with fear or whatever it is. Um, it's just terrible. Everything that happens along the way, it, it, it from financial to physical to emotional, it's a disaster as it relates to it. And so what resources are there for guys out there? So a lot of these resources are online right now. And that's not a bad thing. Um, and there aren't as many that are men specific, unfortunately. But again, the same thing with the statistics on the rise. We see male specific resources on the rise as well. There are two on a national stage. One is a national coalition to end domestic violence. They have a website. They have resources there free resources to put you in contact with people in your community. The other is a domestic violence uh, hotline where you can report uh, abuse, you can look for resources that are more immediate safety resources. Um, and those are both great websites because they will also put the victim in contact with someone in the local community, whether it's a male specific shelter, um, an attorney who can advise them, those kinds of things. So in addition to that, um, in, in our firm, I am connected with the Enough Initiative which is a uh, uh, domestic violence awareness um, and advocacy um, uh, program as well that has a national outreach. And for us here at Cordero Cordell, and and frankly, any attorney needs to be mindful of this issue, male or female, and be aware of it and sensitive to it as you're handling a case. So between those national um, groups that can put you in contact with community-specific groups and finding an attorney who's trained in this area those are very important for male victims of domestic violence. Yeah, it's a, it's a great area to stop on this because it is important. We've said it, I mean, I can't tell you how many times in a podcast or in our virtual town halls, I talk about finding an attorney who practices exclusively in the area of family law. But as you suggest, someone who's trained in the area to deal with domestic violence, someone who's had the experience over years to deal with a lot of clients and all the issues, and then be aware of the resources and the strategies, that is worth more than its weight in gold, no doubt about it. So when you're thinking through it, you're going to hire someone like Jennifer up in the Michigan area who can handle it both on both sides, frankly. I mean, I know we're focusing right now on men and um, them being victims, but it's, you know, on the sides of being maybe falsely accused, maybe being accused, rightfully accused. You got to know how to deal with that as well, right? Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, thanks as always. Wonderful job bringing this to light for for guys facing uh, issues in domestic violence. I appreciate you spending time on this topic. Thank you so much. Well, continue to tune into our podcast and as well every month, our virtual town hall. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to the website, cordellcordell.com. There's an opportunity once every month 
to get a panel of Cordell and Cordell attorneys. You can come log on for free. You just got to register, no cost. You just join in. You ask questions live with the panel from attorneys around the country and in the UK, and you can get answers right then and right there. Every month we'll bring to you a virtual town hall that's different with issues for guys, just like we did today. You can find all our previous town halls as well as our podcasts on our YouTube channel. Go to Cordell Cordell YouTube. You're going to find all those resources there. And don't forget to follow us on social media. So until next time, have a great week.